Howdy guys, I'm Aiden of Blue Couch Productions, and welcome to the 48th ever episode of Aiden on Anchor, the show where I tell you about my life story, as well as my journey with this cool little app called Anchor. Currently recording this on April 3rd, 2020, at a solid 12.32pm. Feels like it's been a while since I've talked to you guys. I know on the upload since, this podcast has been pretty consistent since the start of the year. I don't think I've actually missed an upload for any week, which is cool, considering we're in April. Um, But the last couple of episodes I recorded was so early in March. So in terms of actually recording the podcast, it has about been a month or so. And I'm just looking over, like, we did a lot of crazy episodes in March. What did I do? Why don't like small YouTubers, February movie roundup, answering more of your guys' questions. Hope you enjoyed that. Late night TV, 10 ways to improve your YouTube videos today. Like a lot of out there and like fun and interesting topics. I've been really proud of how Aiden on Anchor has sort of managed not only to stay consistent, but it's still trying new things and I'm still having fun recording them. And we're coming up on a pretty big milestone soon, episode 50. I'm hoping by episode 50, we might have a, a new intro. Ooh. And maybe even a little bit of music to accompany the start of the episode. Ooh, could be interesting. I'd, I'd go ahead and follow if I were you. I'm just saying, just throwing that out there. Uh, but hey, Aiden, what are you going to talk about today? It's April. It's been a while. I figured rather than going on any specific topic, we're going to take it back. We're going to be old school today and just talk about a variety of different things like we used to do on Aiden on Acre, where I just spent 20 minutes and just kind of rambled on a bunch of different topics. And whatever comes out of the podcast comes out of the podcast. I know these later ones we've been kind of sticking to one topic and just giving it all its time. But I kind of want to hop back and forth a little bit and let you know how my March went. Because, hey, March felt like the month from hell. Uh, not in the sense that like I didn't get anything done. I actually got a lot of shit done. Um, not only for Aiden on Anchor, but Game Club, my new lines on your gaming podcast. Uh, recording Breath of the Wild, which has been incredibly fun. I got out a Harry Potter video, which in terms of Blue Catch Productions videos is probably the most proud I've been in a video in like a pretty long time. We got the YouTube podcast back up and running again. I'm Twitch streaming as always. I've added like sub badges and a new emote, fumbled around with a little bit of settings. I'm even trying out LUTs and like trying to figure out Instagram video. So yeah, honestly, it's been a really productive March. The reason I'm saying it's been the month of hell just uh, specifically comes down to the fact that, like, it's just been so long. I feel like enough happened in the month of March that I could write a whole memoir about. Like, I could have an autobiography about my life in one book, and then in another book, have an autobiography about this March of 2020. Because I just feel like it went on for so long. Does anybody else feel that way? Where a month just kind of wears out its welcome and it just keeps going over and over again. I know a big part of that has to do with the whole coronavirus outbreak. And I'll talk about it a little bit. I don't want to spend the whole episode on it because I'm sure you're sick to death of hearing a bunch of your favorite entertainers or YouTubers talk about it. But it is something important. It is something that... Um, in one form or another, has kind of impacted me, I guess. Uh, not really, because I mainly stay inside anyway. I don't really go out. Uh, in fact, I don't think I've been out. Um, but it has caused some mild inconveniences. Wearing masks anytime I do go 
walking around. Uh, I got to wear gloves to handle in groceries. I got to spray Lysol over everything. And then washing my hands like far more often than I usually do. Uh, washing your hands is the kind of thing that I really do like maybe once or twice a day before a meal and that's it. Whereas now, kind of in a coronavirus world, I'm doing it like four or five times a day. And I'm probably healthier for it. So hey, like at least it's impacting some positive habits. Uh, but needless to say, it's impacted a lot of people. So many of y'all are getting sick, I've heard out there. Uh, no one in my personal group, but just looking out on Twitter and on the news, we're probably, I think, the most infected country, at least in terms of cases. Uh, in terms of deaths, I believe Italy is leading that. Um, it's just a rough situation all around. And uh, if you haven't, been washing your hands be sure to wash your hands wear a mask if you go out in public gloves are a good idea too. reduce any hand-to-face contact and please please social distancing is the key here do not be going out to a bunch of public events don't even be going outside unless you have to get groceries or something because the less contact you have with other people the safer it'll be for everybody else because it means the virus won't spread and hospitals won't get overloaded with cases. Um, most people are following that, thankfully, but I've been seeing a few whack jobs on Twitter and a few people who really shouldn't be going out are going out. And guess what? They're getting sick and it's already making a bad situation even worse. So please stay inside. Uh, if you need to talk to people, Discord, email, I'm always open as well. Uh, check out any of my socials below if you need to get in contact with me if you're bored. I understand it. Uh, believe me, for the past year and a half, I've pretty much become a master at social distancing. I haven't been uh, really going out or like anything at all. I mainly spend all my time in my room creating content. And so I'm constantly having to, to find new ways to entertain myself, to keep my mind active. And I like making content. And that's a, a good way to do that. Uh, if you've wanted to start a creative project, now's a pretty good time to. If you want to get through a film backlog, now's a pretty good time to. If you want to watch all my YouTube videos, well, would you look at that? Link in the description below. Just go watch all of them. Uh, go listen to all 48 episodes. What is this? 48? Yeah, 48 episodes of the podcast. And then if you still have free time, go check out Game Club and listen to all three or four episodes of that. And all 50 of the YouTube podcasts, look, all I'm saying is, I got you covered, all right? If you need content to binge during the quarantine, I'm here for you, baby. I don't know how YouTube specifically is doing, but I've heard from a lot of live streaming platforms like Twitch and Mixer that their growth has actually gone up, which makes sense because a lot of people are staying inside and they're looking for some form of live entertainment. I even heard ESPN started like actually showing marble races. And I have been all over them for, like, the past couple of months. So to see them get, like, mainstream appeal, I thought was the coolest shit ever. Because they have surprisingly high production value. If you've never seen them before, uh, basically it's a bunch of marbles on these really, like, complex courts with a bunch of different camera angles and stuff. And they just race. And they have team names. And you have stats on the screen. And it shows, like... Uh, the times and everything and they try to break records and stuff really really fun to watch if you've never done it before i'm always a big like nerd for like tournaments and stats and that side of sports specifically i really have a lot of fun with and marble racing is a cool fun way to like get into that and there's a lot of content out there too uh, i'd recommend the marble olympics because it's like the Olympics, but for marbles there's like surfing and like sand rally races and shit it it's so wild 
what a bunch of people can do with a relatively simple concept, like watching a bunch of marbles race, and then through a lot of production value, graphics, assets, filming, and production knowledge, turn it into something like incredibly new, unique, and fun. Uh, that's the type of stuff I aspire to like make and to do one day. And like, uh, I really love seeing other people do that. And so marble racing is just one of those concepts and, and channels that like I love to follow on YouTube um, and just sort of see where it goes because I think it's so much fun to watch. Uh, speaking of stuff I've been watching, been watching a lot of films. Um, the next episode will probably be the March movie roundup. So I'll, I'll save a majority of them for there. But in terms of my Disney movie collection, I know we haven't done like a specific Disney movie review in a while. Um, I did finally watch Princess and the Frog. Now, Princess and the Frog is the interesting one because, as you know, I've been trying to collect a 2D hand-drawn VHS collection. And you can get most of the 2D hand-drawn films on VHS. There's only like 45 of them or so, and the first 44 on all, are all on VHS. The last one they did was Home on the Range. That's number 44. However, a couple years later, 2009, Disney's trying to bring back hand-drawn animation, and so they release Princess and the Frog in theaters. It does well, but it doesn't do well enough. And then Tangled makes like a bajillion dollars, and from then on and out, they stick to 3D animation. So that means for me... Oh, Princess and the Frog, mainline 2D hand-drawn Disney film. I gotta collect it, but uh-oh, it's 2009, which means I can't get it on VHS. So that was always the kind of outlier that I was eventually gonna have to grab for the collection, but I didn't know in what form. Do I grab the DVD? Do I grab the Blu-ray? If so, how do I record the Blu-ray? I don't have a Blu-ray player, um, but I eventually found one at a McKay's bookstore. If you never had a McKay's in your area, it's like this big giant bookstore with movies and games and like manga and vinyls and there's three of them in Tennessee and anytime we go traveling out I like to go stop by one but I stopped by one and I didn't really find any VHS stuff but I did find a blu-ray of Princess and the Frog that came with and this is the important thing it came with a DVD I didn't know this but apparently early blu-rays or at least some of the Disney ones not only carry the blu-ray version but a DVD version and a digital one. And I'm like, holy shit, that's a lot of versions. Surely I'll be able to record one of these. So I went to go uh, play the DVD version, but I was having issues um, with my DVD player because I don't have the remote to it at all. So I'm like, fuck. Um, I didn't really try the digital version at all because I wanted to make my own digital version with commercials and stuff. And I know those tend to be different across versions. So I came down to the Blu-ray version, and I'm like, shit, what am I going to do? And then I realized, oh, wait a minute, I have a PS3. It turns out, if you guys don't know this, a PS3 is actually a Blu-ray player. Uh, the PS2 is a DVD player, and the PS1 is like a CD player. So all the PlayStations, uh, even PS4, I believe, um, all have like different players and stuff in them. And so I put in my uh, Princess and the Frog Blu-ray on PS3. I recorded it. The file size is huge. I'm used to just making like digital versions of VHSs, and this shit was like, I can tend to average like less than a gig on VHS digital conversions, but the Blu-ray was like at least four or five gigs. It's my biggest file by far, but it was totally worth it because the quality was stunning. I don't watch Blu-rays often. I don't own any Blu-rays. I've mainly been a VHS and DVD boy all my life. 
but when you can watch a physical Blu-ray, when you're not having to deal with streaming services and Netflix and all that sort of stuff, it's absolutely stunning, especially for a film like this that's already so beautiful. But all that story and stuff aside, I finally built it up enough. How was the actual film itself once I got it all set up and once I recorded it all? Uh, it was pretty good. It was really good, actually. It kind of takes a, a step from a lot of the other sort of 2D princess-type films, um, whether it's Aladdin or uh, Beauty and the Beast or Cinderella or those types of films. You know, Disney's sort of bread and butter but they hadn't done one in so long. And so Princess and the Frog kind of takes those roots back. Only this time, we're not in a magical kingdom. We're just straight up in New Orleans. And because of that, you got a lot of jazz. You got a lot of bayous. You got a lot of kind of redneck stereotype characters who are going alligator hunting and fucking frog catching and shit. They're hilarious. They're wonderful. And we even have white plantation owners <gasps> in a Disney movie. Okay, well, he's not actually a plantation owner, but he's like a rich dude, and he clearly lives in a mansion. And the main character's mother happens to be a seamstress for him, and it takes place in kind of the early 1900s. I'm just saying, if he owned himself a plantation, we may not see it on screen, but the likelihood of there being one is really possible. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying it's, it's possible that this man might have owned a plantation in one form or another. But that's just sort of set dressing... Uh, the locations and stuff are beautiful, uh, whether we're in the main New Orleans or uh, we're getting into Mardi Gras, we're getting into the parties, we're getting into the bayous, wonderful as a whole. Soundtrack is your classic Disney soundtrack. Uh, in, in, in particular, my two favorite songs, or three actually, um, Almost There, which is kind of like Tiana's I Want song. She talks about how she's been working so hard all of her life to finally get to the point where she has enough money to buy this restaurant. And she shows these visions of what it's going to be like and how it looks. And she finally buys the place and it's a wreck. But Tiana sees past all that. It's a really like heartwarming and endearing song. And like you don't really see a whole lot of Disney princess films like sort of show the value of hard work. Very often in a lot of the films, they're wanting something, but they don't actually work to get that sort of stuff. Here in Princess and the Frog, she's wishing about a later thing in her life, but she's worked and earned it. Um, it reminds me a lot of like people like people like Zach, people like myself, who work a lot, so many hours in hopes of accomplishing some later dreams and later fantasies and stuff like that. So that was really well done. My other favorite one in terms of like ones that are actually in the movie, I have a third one, that's for later. But my other favorite one in the movie is uh, Friends on the Other Side, which is the song for the villain. And it's just a wild, like voodoo-filled romp. Uh, I love the backing vocals specifically when they all come in and they're like, are you ready? And they just keep building on top of each other. Are you ready? And shit just, shit just gets wild in this film. Anytime the, the, the voodoo man was on screen or, or, or sent off his ghosts or lackeys or like interacted with the spirit world. I ate that shit up. It's such a cool concept for a villain and Disney takes full advantage of it, both animation wise and design wise. He just has such a unique design and visual flavor about him. Uh, he's one of my favorite Disney villains by far. The final song, the third one and the one that like sent me on a totally different tangent. Um, was the credits theme. And I'm just listening to the credits, and, you know, they have some of the main themes in there. Uh, but it opens up with uh, a Neo song. And not just any Neo song. Like, a Neo song that I remember. 
listening to. Uh, I forgot what it's called now that I'm trying to remember it. Um, Never Knew I Needed is what it is. Yeah, and then it was just playing through the through the credits, and all of a sudden I just got this huge nostalgia wave because I remember listening to this on, on the radio, and that sent me down a whole spiral of listening to like 30 other Neo songs. I'll talk about it in a different episode, I promise. If I don't, remind me. Uh, but yeah, that's a story for a different day. But those three songs, Never Knew I Needed, is classic Neo. Uh, really well done in terms of like slow kind of R&B type stuff. Friends on the Other Side, your typical villain song. And Almost There, the typical I Want song. So the film is gorgeous. The film has pretty good songs. How's the plot? How's the characters? Pretty good, I'd say. Uh, Tiana is a very likable protagonist. She's kind of the first black Disney princess, and they kind of made a big deal out of that. But really, I think what's more important is that sort of hard work ethic. And not only just that she's hardworking, but how it ties into to the, the detriments of hard work as well. They show both the positives and the negatives. This very easily could have just been a film that's like, I'm Tiana, I work hard, I work myself to death, and that's a good thing because I can get what I want one day. And they do show the positives of having that work ethic. It gets her out of tough situations situations she's a great problem solver but it also means she doesn't have fun she doesn't have a social life she's kind of doing all this work to appease her dad who died years ago and because of that there's a little bit of this emotional baggage there and I really like that conflict that she has throughout the film of like trying to balance keeping that hard work but also having a little bit of a life having a little bit of fun and actually enjoying the moment as well and then uh, to contrast that, uh, the other, her, her, her love interest in this case, Prince Naveen, from a far off country. I don't even think they say where it's from. Macedonia, I think, or some shit. And he comes over to New Orleans. He's vibing. He's all uh, rich boy, never had to work a day in his life. But he's having fun. He's charismatic and he has a lot of skills. He can play music or whatever. Uh, but obviously, during the course of the film, he gets turned into a frog. Tiana gets turned into a frog. And so Prince Naveen kind of the reverse of Tiana, right? Where he has too much fun and not any bit of hard work ethic at all. And so he kind of has to learn the value of that. Uh, he has to kind of fend for himself, build a little bit of a survivalist mentality, learn how to cook and learn how to problem solve more effectively. And so he sort of grows as well Two come together. They eventually fall in love at the end of the film. Yada, yada, yada. They kiss and then they princess Tiana gets a restaurant because Naveen's uh, family is rich or whatever and all that sort of stuff and yeah honestly uh, i already mentioned the villain which is pretty good there's like a a voodoo lady who's a good guy in, in the middle of a swamp and she's pretty wonderful she gets her own really good song uh, there's a crocodile character who just wants to play in a jazz band you know the more i talk about this film the more i think zach would actually love it it's got all of his favorite things like hard work uh, a pretty epic, like, southern sort of setting. And then, like, jazz. There's so much jazz. And that crocodile character, he'd absolutely get a kick out of. If you're watching this, Zach, or listening to this, go watch Princess and the Frog. Uh, you'd probably really like it, actually. Because the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, you know what? You'd probably enjoy the film. Uh, there's also a uh, lightning bug who kind of, again, sort of that Louisiana redneck stereotype. I don't know if that's, like, PC at all, but I really enjoy, like, that dumb country stereotype especially when it's used for comedy because that's sort of the area i grew up in and uh, whether it's larry the cable guy or anything like that this film does a pretty good job at that i enjoy it a lot um if i had to give like any weaknesses 
at all. And, and I really don't have many, but it is sort of that Disney princess film. It does introduce things like the, the, the New Orleans setting is pretty well done. The voodoo is really well done and the songs and everything like that. But it never really takes that many risk, all things considered. And I think because of that, it's never going to be as popular as, like, let's say, in Aladdin or Beauty and the Beast, where those films, I feel like, were just so well executed and brought so many things to the table. Princess and the Frog just kind of doesn't. It's very much trying to remind you of a lot of older films. And that's not a bad thing, because it is executed really well. But in terms of bringing, like, the one wow factor, or even doing something with its plot that we just haven't seen before, there is kind of a scene where both characters mope around, a kind of lie-revealed plot that's kind of stupid. Uh, the, 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 the series of events that actually happens in the film itself, in terms of actual story stuff, we've seen before, time and time again. And so it can feel... Like, it's kind of safe. It can feel like, oh, you finally returned to 2D animation only to make a similar film. What's the deal with that? Uh, there's definitely a case to be made that part of the reason Tangled did so well was just because it was kind of a more wild film for Disney at the time. Not only because it was 3D animated, but just with the characters and the settings as well. But hey, I've never seen Tangled, so if I'm wrong on that, it's going to bite me in the ass later. But who cares? You do what you got to do. So, yeah, that's my review of Princess and the Frog. Honestly, really love this one. I'd say this is on the stronger end. Uh, as I continue to watch more and more of these films, and there's still so many I've had to watch, uh, have yet to watch, rather. I've just been collecting all of them, and I haven't had time to, like, actually sit down and watch them. But the more and more of them I watch, there, there becomes less of a, these are the good films and these are the bad films, and instead it's more of a gradient. When you introduce that many films and you're trying to rank and compare them all, you're never really going to have a solid list, but you are going to have like respective tiers and like shades of gray where some of these films are going to be toward the top half because they're well executed, and then some films are going to be even higher that are well executed and bring something new to the table, and then you're going to have fine films that are under both of those, and then boring films, and then bad films and then really bad films uh but even the really bad films tend to be entertaining in such a way and heck i'm an animation nut so i eat all that shit up anyway so i'm just kind of discovering that there's a lot more like shades of quality rather than a respective good or bad and i think that's more interesting to talk about at least for a non-anchor i do one day want to after i've collected them all and seen them all and made digital copies of them i do want to make a video talking about all 45 I don't know if it's going to be like an ongoing series or if I just do like a huge video where I just discuss all of them. Um, however I want to do that, I don't know. But definitely this is something that's been building up for years. And so it'd be nice to actually get something out of it <laughs> eventually. But I'm still a couple of films away from finishing the collection. I still have a few more to watch. But yeah, that's my review of Princess and the Frog. So what have we talked about basically today? Well, we've talked about my March, all the wild shit I've been doing. I'm trying to match it in terms of April with productivity. Uh, we've talked about the coronavirus stuff, the outbreak, how I'm dealing with it. And then we gave a little review for Princess and the Frog. I think, personally, that's a pretty good way to end out the episode. Kind of taking it back a little bit, trying some new things. But we're not going to let it go on too long. I felt like we covered a lot in this period of time. So, hey, if you enjoyed the podcast and you want to support me, well, you can via Anchor Financially. You just hit that little support button and bam, you can be sending money my way. I also have a Patreon if you wish to support me there. Shout out to my good buddies, Jay the Zoomster for supporting me on Anchor and Parker Mile for the support on Patreon. I appreciate it a lot. And thanks to you boys, the podcast is staying consistent, baby. We're continuing to make episodes. 
and I'm really excited for episode 50. If you want to, uh, be sure to check the description and the links with all my uh, sort of other projects. What, what kind of stuff we have down there? We got my YouTube channel, ooh, merch, Discord, Twitter, all these things. I know sometimes it can be hard to check out, at least on other platforms, because all the links are sort of jumbled together, but I appreciate that. And hey, if you're listening to this on a podcast platform that allows you to follow or rate the podcast, could you please do me a favor and do that? Uh, I know Anchor specifically, you can't really like follow an Anchor podcast or rate it on the platform itself, but I know on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, and some of these other podcast apps, you can actually rate them and follow them. So please, if you haven't done that, I'd really appreciate you doing that. That would mean a lot to me personally, and it can kind of help get the podcast out there. Tell your friends. Shit's wild. Mm, But yeah, that'll do it for this episode of Aiden on Anchor. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. I've been Aiden of Blue Cash Productions, and I'm signing off. Bye-bye.